I pray in Jesus' name that the Spirit of the Lord would work here tonight in this service, that you would help us to have open hearts, open minds to the Word of God, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. Uh, again, we welcome everybody here tonight. Thank you so very much for coming, and uh, we trust uh, that the service will be a blessing to you, and I'm sure that it will be. Uh, let me remind you of a couple of things uh, that are up and coming, and uh, we'll bring Brother Dave to the pulpit momentarily. Uh, remember this coming Sunday, uh, December 17, this coming Sunday is our Christmas for Christ uh, offering time for you to bring your Christmas for Christ offering, and it will also be our Christmas service. And uh, looking forward to it, uh, it's always a great time, a great, a great Sunday out of the year to come worship, uh, to set some time aside, and to uh, recognize Jesus in such a great way. And uh, so we trust you'll be here Sunday, and certainly feel free to invite somebody with you. Uh, of course, we'll have service uh, a week from tonight. And then on Sunday, December the 24th, Christmas Eve Sunday, uh, we'll just have one service, one service, at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary. So remember that. We'll not have Sunday school on Sunday, December the 24th. We'll just ask everybody to arrive at 10 and gather uh, in the sanctuary. Uh, it'll be a shorter service, but wanted to just gather with our church family for Christmas Eve, have a great time of fellowship, and also to, again, worship the Lord and to fellowship his presence. So remember those announcements. We're glad you're here tonight. And uh, let's give the Lord a hand praise, if you would, as Brother Dave comes to teach our Bible study tonight. Well, God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. I know him as Redeemer. I know him as Savior. I know him as Father and Friend. And I know him as the God who will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. Aren't you thankful tonight? for the power of a relationship with God. Amen. Oh, amen. I feel his presence here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel his presence, and uh, I know what God can do. I know the power of his spirit, the power of his name, and I know that you do too. Hey, thank you for your prayers. Uh, boy, my, my family has been uh, sick over the last week or so, and uh, thank you for your prayers. We're coming out of it feeling much better. Uh, do pray for Elena. She's still got a little ways to go, but we are moving in the right direction. And our prayers, as Pastor said, are with all of those that are still kind of fighting through some of this stuff. Tis the season, I told the Sunday school class Sunday morning. Don't know what it's the season for. Might be season for sickness, but it is the season. So um, just uh, thank, thank God that his hand is upon us and that he is going to uh, lead us every step of the way. Amen. Amen. Hey, I heard great things about the banquet Sunday night, and uh, I am so sorry our family could not be there, as I mentioned, dealing with some sickness, but uh, just heard so many great things about it, and at one point, Elena did FaceTime us for just a minute before her phone died, which did us a lot of good, but uh, I think I saw Brother Brayton Duncan up there doing some things, and uh, just a lot of audience participation, and it just sounded like a wonderful, wonderful evening for everyone that was involved. So I'm thankful that we had a good 
good Christmas banquet. And I am looking forward to the service Sunday as well, as Pastor mentioned. Please bring somebody with you. We're going to have a great time celebrating Christmas as a church family. That's how I think about it. I really do. I think I'm going to church to celebrate Christmas with my church family that I love so much and uh, just enjoy the presence of God together, and that's what we're going to do Sunday. So mark your calendars for that 11 o'clock service. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to turn to the Word of God today, tonight. I'm excited about what I believe God has given me to share with our church. I believe it's going to be something that we can take with us and, and apply and utilize and, um, and that will make an impact in our life and in our church. And uh, so tonight, what I, what I want to do is, uh, is I want to ask you to, to, to think a little bit bigger. Uh, think a little bit bigger in terms of your walk with God. Uh, think a little bit bigger in terms of your involvement in the kingdom of God. There's all, as Pastor has said so many times, there's always more. There's always more. There's always more uh, that we can do. There's more we can be, more we can achieve, more we can grow. And so tonight, I want us to think bigger. And as you're... As you're perhaps um, um, reviewing 2023 with, with its ups and its downs, its, its successes and its opportunities for improvement, and maybe you're thinking about 2024, what you might want to do different, areas you want to grow in, things you want to excel in or develop, uh, I'm going to ask you tonight to maybe think about those things through the conduit of this presentation, and, and let's just see what God will do with us as individuals and with our church uh, in the coming months ahead, especially as we turn the calendar to 2024. Sometimes it can be overwhelming when we think about change or think about stepping up or growing, doing more. It can, it can, um, it can be challenging to know where to start. It can be challenging um, to know, uh, it can be scary, you know, it can be challenging to take on the fear of the unknown. But I'm going to give you some thoughts tonight and give you some ideas tonight, things to think about that, that I think can help us all get unstuck or all, if, if you're not even stuck, if you just need some encouragement to take the next step. I think tonight will help us all in that area and we'll see how really easy it is with God's great help. So with that background, let me turn your attention to Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13 and verses 20 through 21. Now, these verses are beautiful verses. I think they're some of the greatest uh, verses that have been written in the Bible. They're beautiful, and I meditate on them often. I, I just think it's a beautiful, uh, everlasting, and immortal word of God written right here. The writer says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Verse 21 is our key verse. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. That is to equip you, to, to make you equipped in every good work to do his will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And if you were to drop down and look at verse 25, the very last verse of the book of Hebrews, he just says, grace be with you all. And I love that sign-off right there. Grace be with you all. So kind of putting all that together, the God of grace is equipping us. He's developing us. Um, he, is, he is making us complete in every good work. What, whatever it is we need to do, whatever it is that he's enabled us to do and talented us to do. 
for a very specific purpose, that is to do his will. And I just think this is so encouraging and so faith-building. May the God... Uh, may the God of grace or the, the great shepherd of the sheep make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Some time ago, I, I listened to a really, really great presentation uh, by Dr. John Maxwell. Uh, and it was dealing with elements of, of growth and success and those kinds of things. And what interested me about it among many things but one of the most interesting things was as he'd said from the beginning he said I really got these ideas these um these thoughts the genesis of my presentation Dr. Maxwell said came from a a coach it goes back now several years ago many years ago but he got it from a coach at Ohio State University by the name of Jim Trussell Jim Trussell and at, at that time, under Coach Trussell's leadership at Ohio State University, they would give the athletes a handbook about all the things, all the things to be a successful athlete at Ohio State University. But there was one section in there that the coach had, had outlined and developed for those athletes, and that, that heading, that tab of the handbook said, things that do not require talent, things that do not require talent. And you think about that, you're you're talking about talented athletes. They're they're there on scholarships. They're there because they're good. And the coach took some time to talk to them about things that had absolutely nothing to do with talent. And so Dr. Maxwell built a a motivational talk, a a development talk off of those principles. And it's it's great for leadership. It's great for self-development, for career, and all of those things. But I got to thinking about it and meditating on it, praying about it a little bit. And I thought, you know, if Coach Trussell can use it for football players and John Maxwell can use it for self-development, this is really good material for disciples of Jesus that want to grow in the kingdom of God as well. And so I borrowed heavily from Dr. Maxwell's ideas tonight, but I want you to understand I I didn't just cut and paste. I've I've prayed over this. I've, I've developed it for our church, what I believe God has for me to speak tonight. So I just want to talk to you for a few minutes. Things that do not require talent. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, things that do not require talent. Now, let's start on the other side of the coin. I believe that everyone has a talent, at least one. And tonight, for the purposes of of the kingdom of God and, and talking about our discipleship in the kingdom of God, by talent, I mean gifting, calling, um, you know, purpose, anything that God has invested in you that you feel like is a, an asset to the kingdom of God, these things I refer to as talent. And I believe everyone has a talent. I do. And I, I believe I'm on solid biblical ground with that. If you, if you remember the parable that Jesus told, Matthew 25, he talked, about, he talked about the guy that was going off on a trip, and he left five talents with one of his servants. He left two talents with another servant. And he left one talent with a final servant. And then, of course, they were to invest those talents, do something with them. And then when the man came back from his journey, he reckoned with them and settled up. In that parable, Jesus never talked about anybody that had no talents. He got all the way down to one, but he didn't go to zero. And I feel like if it were possible for someone to have zero talents, Jesus would have addressed it in that parable. And it's not just that. 
go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As every man has received the gift, as every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Everybody has received a gift. Romans 12, 6, we use this one in our grace steps. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So Paul is telling us here, everybody has a gift. Now, they, they may differ. They may, they may be different. They may change. may be uh, factored through your personality and all those things. But everybody has a gift. So here at Grace Church, we preach the biblical truth that everybody has a gifting by God to contribute to the kingdom of God. And that gifting flows through our personalities. And when we're functioning in our gifting, in our personality, we are best equipped to serve the kingdom with the greatest impact. And here's what's so cool. We find that we are fulfilled as well. That's what's amazing. That's what's amazing. Um, in, in Grace Steps, in Grace Steps, we, we talk about that idea, how, how when we give to the kingdom of God, the church is blessed, but then we're blessed in return. And, and to describe that, we use, a, we use a great big word called transcendence. We use this great big word called transcendence. It just means something in life that will outlast you. You might call it a legacy. Sometimes we talk about it in terms of legacy. It's this idea that when your life is over, will your memory die or will it live on through something you've done for someone or in this case, something you've invested in the kingdom other than yourself. So the example we give in Grace Steps is if, if you introduce two people and, the, and they fell in love romantically and got married and lived happily ever after, you, you've done something then that outlives you. You've done something larger than yourself. So, you know, 50 years later when, when, they, when somebody comes through and says, oh, look at that happy couple over there. Man, aren't they awesome? And somebody else says, yeah, you know, so-and-so 50 years ago uh, uh, introduced them. And then they go, oh, yeah, I remember that person. They've been dead for 40 years, but, boy, they, they were great people. And look what they did. They did something that outlasted them. That's legacy. That's transcendence. Just, just one simple kind of silly example. But, you know, so many people in our society, in our world, our culture, they live by the old, you heard this old saying, they say, he who dies with the most toys wins. You ever heard that? That seems to be a lot of people's... Uh, um, kind of creed in life that they live by. Gathers much stuff, material, wealth, status. He who dies with the most toys wins. But somebody else came back and said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. And that's probably a little closer to the truth. So you want to invest in others. You want to invest in the kingdom because it, it's greater than yourself. And, and the kingdom benefits and you feel good about it too. This is a biblical concept. Jesus taught it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, right, there your heart will be also. So transcendence, transcendence, making a life-changing investment and, and I'll say it this way, an eternal investment in the kingdom of God. But here's the thing. We tend to think that it is only talented people 
that could do something like that. It's only the people with a high IQ or the, the, the greatest gifts that can really make a lasting impact in the kingdom of God, can really do something for Jesus. But most of the things, here's my thesis statement tonight. This is what I've come to say. Most of the things that are required to be, in, be successful in life, to be successful in your home life, your family, and especially in your walk with God, do not require extraordinary talent. Most of the things that are required to be successful in the kingdom of God do not require extraordinary talent. Now, I'm not minimizing talent. As I've just said, everybody has talent, I believe. But when you think about what you want to do better next year and how maybe, uh, maybe you're already involved at Grace Church and you want to do a little more, Maybe you've been thinking about getting involved and you just haven't done it yet and you need that little nudge. I want to tell you tonight that it does not take talent to get started. It does not take talent to take the next step. And, and, and there's some principles we can learn that will help us get there. I heard about someone this week or just in the last week or so that, uh, that, that, that said um, they've been serving in their area here at church, their serve team area up here for a long time, many years. And they said when they first started serving, they weren't too sure about it. They were a little nervous about taking that step, about, uh, you know, about, about stepping out and committing to a serve team. But now that they've been serving in that area, now that they've given themselves to it, they are passionate about that serve team. They're passionate about their serve area and said they could not imagine their life without serving in that area. So you, you never know. If you could take the courage to step out, the courage to to, uh, to really let God equip you and develop you. You never know what you might find. You never know what satisfaction and fulfillment there might be. But again, I say, the problem is often that we think we don't have what it takes. We think we don't have talent, IQ, whatever that something is, that thing that we think everybody else has that we don't. But I'm telling you, it does not take talent. It is not required to get started. So let me give you five ideas, five ideas that, um, that you can do right now. You can start today. These five ideas, they're simple. You can start today. If you feel like you don't have a talent or a gifting, which I don't believe, I've already illustrated that, this will get you unstuck. If you're already thriving and serving, but you just want to do a little bit more, you're thinking about ways you can do more, this is going to give you a little encouragement, a little motivation to do a little bit more. These five ideas will get you productivity, get you moving productivity in the kingdom, in the kingdom. You can apply them at work, you can apply them at life, you can apply them at home, but it would be most fulfilling if you apply them here at Grace Church and in your walk with God. So let's talk about the first one tonight. The first one that does not require talent, the first thing that does not require talent is passion. Passion. Takes no talent to have passion, but passion is the fuel for vision. I want you to think about that. Passion is the fuel for vision. Reggie Leach said this, success is not the result of spontaneous combustion. You have to set yourself on fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, that's the thing. A lot of us just kind of wait around for somebody to come and set us on fire or, or that we're just going to combust spontaneously. Sometimes you got to lift yourself up by the bootstraps. Heard about one guy said he'd get up every morning 
And he would repeat to himself 50 times before he got out of bed, do it now, 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 just to give himself some motivation and kind of light the fire. Passion is the first step to any kind of achievement. And so for that matter, for, or for that reason, we must find our passion and pursue it and, 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 and prioritize our life around that passion. I love this quote by Tim Rodman. He said this, many things will catch my eye. But only a few will catch my heart. It is those I must consider to pursue. There's probably just a couple of things in your life that really draw you. That really make passion ignite inside of you. Um, that really make your dreams come alive. Those are probably good indicators of where your passions are. And so you should, you should recognize those. You should, give, you should give credence to those. You should, you should give attention to those and begin, begin there to develop them. Now, here's the thing about passion. I, I already said, we, you know, we, gotta, we have to spontaneously, we can't spontaneously combust. We have, to, we have to light the fire. We have to stay motivated and passionate. But there's two things to remember about passion because there's two types of people. There's fire lighters, and there's fire fighters, okay? So when you have a passion, let's say you've gotten ignited, and you're, you're good to go, and you're, you're, you're pursuing your God-given dream and passion, there's going to be two types of people you run across, and some are going to be fire lighters, and that's the ones I like. Don't you like being around those people that just have great attitudes, they're positive, and we can do this, and... and uh, and uh, Sister Becky, I was going to use this illustration later in, in one of my other illustrations, but I'm going to use it now. Sunday before church, um, I mean, I just I wasn't feeling 100% if I could be honest, and, and she probably could tell that. And, and she, said, she said, Brother Dave, you're going to be okay. And that's what I needed to hear. I was feeling a little low, feeling a little weak, a little tired, a little sick. And I just needed a boot. I needed somebody to, to encourage me, which, spoiler alert, that's going to be one of ours coming up here in a minute. That's why that illustration would have looked good there. But I needed somebody to come and just kind of help my passion a little bit. We need that. We need that. I love being around people like that. But there are also firefighters. Have you ever been around anybody like that? The ones that just, you know, they don't want to hear your good news and your dreams and your passion. And they have a million reasons why you can't do it. Look at the screen here are, the, here are the attitudes of firefighters. You can recognize them pretty easily. When you hear things like this or see people like this, um, and I'm praying, I, I don't have my glasses on, I am praying they fixed my spelling error in my notes. Sister Casey, did you correct my spelling? I hope you did. Praise the Lord. I noticed it right before church. Firefighters focus on what's wrong with an idea rather than what's right. You ever been anybody, anybody like that? They possess a doubting spirit. They work, work behind the scenes to cause dissension. That's probably the worst when you're actively working against. Oftentimes, firefighters hate change. They keep people with great potential from going to the top. Amen. Check this out. This is, I think this is just such a significant illustration. Jesus had such great passion. He was so serious about his mission on earth. That he did not want to hear from Simon Peter when Jesus sensed that Simon Peter might be a firefighter. 
Matthew 16, 21 through 23. From that time forth, Jesus began to show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. That was Jesus' mission. That was his passion. That's why sometimes we call it a passion play or the passion of Christ. His passion was to, to, to die uh, and be buried and to, be, and to raise again on the third day. That was his passion. And he began to share his vision, his passion with his disciples. Verse 22, Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And Jesus turned unto Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. For you savor not the things that are of God, but things that are men. He knew that Simon Peter was getting ready to be a firefighter and work against the mission that he'd come for. Jesus was so driven by the passion in his life, he actually rebuked Simon Peter. So when it comes to passion, be careful who you're listening to. And don't let negative people kill your passion. Surround yourself with people that will fuel your passion. So passion requires no talent. Passion requires no talent. Effort, yeah, it requires effort. A little discipline, yeah, but it does not require talent to have passion. The second thing that we can do or can, that we can possess that does not require uh, talent is initiative. Initiative. Like passion, talent, or like passion, initiative does not require talent. I really like what Benjamin Franklin said. He said, to succeed, jump as quickly as I, as I, I'm sorry, get it out here in a minute. Jump as quickly at opportunity as you do at conclusions. I like that. Jump as quickly at opportunity as you do at conclusions. So initiative means taking advantage of an opportunity. Taking that first step, moving forward. But here's the truth. And I'm drawing from Dr. Maxwell here, especially. Typically, people that lack initiative lack responsibility. That is personal responsibility for the outcome of their life. That's typically the holdup for initiative is that we don't accept responsibility for the outcome of our choices. It's kind of like the guy that's in the boat. And on the other end of the boat, he sees a hole in the boat. Water's pouring through the hole in the, in the boat. And he looks at his buddy and he says, boy, I am glad that leak ain't on my side. That's not taking responsibility to disastrous consequences in the very short term. We have to take responsibility for our life. And from there, we will find that we take initiative. So if your passion has led you to a dream... Let your dream to, uh, take you to initiative. And here's the key. We have to take uh, the dream, the passion, what it is we're wanting to do, where we want to grow, and we have to break it down into manageable steps. Because here's the other killer of initiative. Here's the other killer of initiative is we want to do something. We want to grow. We want to make a positive change. And it just seems so overwhelming. We don't know where to start. That's, that's the real killer of initiative. It's also a killer of passion, really. So the key then is to break it down into manageable steps. Pick the first step. I have done this so many times in my life. I do it all the time in my life. There, there's plenty of tasks, plenty of goals, plenty of dreams 
just the day-to-day whatever, and sometimes they seem overwhelming. And you have, I do, I, I write down the next step. I'm, I'm a real big believer in next step. In fact, I, I talk, we, we, it's kind of become the DNA of, of some of our leader t- leadership team here at Grace Church. I talked to somebody Sunday, and uh, when we conclude the conversation, it just came out of my mouth. I didn't even think about it. It was not premeditated. I just said, your next step is. And, and that's really how we, we like to work here at Grace Church in terms of leadership and working with people. And I think all the time in my personal life of next steps. What is my next step? And so, you know, for example, for example, so we had a, had a tremendous uh, Move the Mission 2023. I believe we raised $24,000. Well, guess what? Now I've got to start, I've already started thinking about Move the Mission 2024. And are our heavy hitters going to be back? Are our big fundraisers going to be back? The, guy, the guys and ladies that raised the most money, are they going to do it again? How are we going to motivate them? What's going to be our activities? You know, uh, what, what's our goal going to be? We always increase our goal at least 10%, if not 15 or 20. And how are we going to do it? When do we start? And, and before I know it, I'm already at next September when the offerings do, and I don't know how we're going to get there. So I stop and I say, okay, what is my next step? It's December the 13th. Really like to have all of this on go shortly after the first of the year. So my next step. As Farrah and I need to meet with Sister Tanya and Brother Sister Murphy, and we'll begin setting goals and, and setting up dates on the calendar for fun. You know, so you start breaking it down into manageable steps, and the, before you know it, you've taken the initiative. And, uh, and you're beginning, you're, you're now on the path, on the, on the road to that what it is you're wanting to accomplish. A simple example, but it is uh, taking initiative. Another way you can take initiative, we teach this in Grace Steps, after we've done giftings and personality, and you've discovered what your gifting is, and you see what your God-given personality is, and how God wants to use that gifting through your personality, we encourage folks to begin to do research in that area of their gifting. If you want to grow in that area, uh, if you want to know what makes your personality, uh, personality work, and why you uh, think the way you do and react the way you do, Start doing some research in that area. Read some books in that area. Uh, talk to people that function in that gift and see how they do it and what they've learned. What's their experience? And depending on what it is and how far you want to go, maybe attend a seminar or, or a teaching and, and grow. So that's initiative. That's, that's taking initiative with what you have. Sometimes the best way to get started is just to invest in that next step. The third thing that we, uh, that we can do that requires no talent, passion, initiative, and courage. Courage. Now, before you relax and say, oh, that's an easy one. If, if I'm ever under enemy fire and I have to run to the front lines and save my buddy, I'll have courage and do it. That's not exactly the kind of courage I'm talking about. This courage is going to be a little, little tougher than you might think. So, so buckle up. Hang on. A little challenging. I didn't say these were easy. I just said they didn't require talent. Somebody said, in the, uh, said greatness, greatness in the last analysis is courage. Greatness in the last analysis is courage. And here's why. Courage is an everyday test. You don't just have courage one time. You don't just have, you know, you don't just face, face down the odds once. You know what life's like. You know, you know things are unpredictable. 
you know, you know things can happen. And so things will come against you every day. And every day you got to get back up and say, I got the courage to face this. I got the courage to do this. Courage is what is needed to live every day. I'm sorry, courage every day is what is needed to live life with no regrets. So here's why it's challenging. I'm going to give you some things on the board, on the screen. Here's where courage is challenging. doesn't take talent, but it does take some hard work. Courage is challenging. Courage to change, especially when it is comfortable to stay the same. Maybe I didn't give these to you. I'm sorry, media team. I may not have put them on the board. Jot them down if, if, you, if, if, uh, if they're not up there. Courage to change, especially when it is comfortable to stay the same. That's kind of the heart of the matter right there, isn't it? It really, really is. Courage to change when it's comfortable to stay the same. Courage to overcome obstacles when progress will come no other way. Courage to overcome obstacles when progress will come no other way. Courage to learn and grow when it displays our weakness, when it shows that we have some learning and growing to do. And here's the tough one. Courage to take the high road when others treat us bad. Courage to take the high road when others treat us badly. Because that's going to happen. That's just a given. Jesus said offenses will come. Yes. Amen. But you know what? Everything on that list sounds to me like if you can do those and overcome those, it sounds like a really good disciple of Jesus Christ. Sounds like really good qualities of a disciple to me. Sounds like living the life. If we can do those things, courage to persevere in those areas. Sounds like we'd be living the life that Jesus called us to when he said, come follow me. But it will take courage. It will take courage. I've got five of these. The fourth one, passion, initiative, courage. Now I want to talk to you about encouragement. These last two are going to be a little more concrete. Prior ones were kind of conceptual, a little bit more in the ether there. These will be a little more concrete, these last two. Last one is encouragement. It does not take talent to be an encourager. It does not take talent to be an encourager. John Maxwell, again, talks about the elevator principle. He says we can lift people up and we can bring people down. That's true, isn't it? So true. And Booker T. Washington put it very poignantly when he said, you cannot hold a man down without staying down with him. And that is something to think about. When we bring others down, when we have that discouraging spirit, we're going to stay down right there with them. But I want to elevate people. I want to lift people. I want to make them better. Because here's the truth. Here is the truth. Most people do not believe in themselves. And I, Pastor, I have continued to reflect on your excellent sermon a couple of weeks ago when you talked about it's not what, it's not what we are that holds us back. It's what we believe we are not. Remember Pastor preached, who does God think you are? It's not, it's not who we are that holds us back. It's who we think we're not. It's the inadequacies that we think we have. Think, remember I told you people, we feel like we don't have any talent, so it holds us back. So most people don't believe in themselves, and that is why we need one another to come around and, and lift us up. Again, Sister Becky, thank you for encouragement on Sunday. 
We need people that believe in us to encourage us. And here's the second truth is that most people have a famine of people in their lives that do that for them. Thank God for the church where we hear good, encouraging preaching. and We have good, encouraging brothers and sisters that encourage us. And Grace Church is excellent at this. We do an amazing job at lifting one another up. But most people, most people probably don't have people like that in their lives to the degree, to the degree we do. It is so interesting, it is so interesting that you find people that, that, that you start believing in them and you start, you start encouraging them, you start motivating them, say, I believe in you, I, I, I think you can do this. Most people will do everything in their power to embrace that belief in them. They just need somebody to give them permission. They just need somebody to tell them they can. So if there's people in your life, and I assure you in everybody's life here, there are. There's people in your life that are looking to you, and you can speak into their life. You can encourage them. You can make them better. You can, you can help them believe in themselves. Please do that. Please speak into them. Please encourage them. It may be your children. It may be your spouse. It may be your Sunday school class or, or some of these young folks here around the front on a Sunday morning, whatever it is, let those people know that you believe in them. And check out this. I, I think this probably tells the whole tale right here when it comes to encouragement. William Ward, to be honest with you, don't know who he is or what he did, but he said something really cool. William Ward, he said, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me. And I may not forgive you, but encourage me, and I will never forget you. And I think that is a very, very powerful concept. I guarantee you that you could think of somebody right now that encouraged you somewhere along the way. You hadn't forgotten them, and you hadn't forgotten what they said. And, uh, and I think that's true for most everybody. Encourage me. And I will never forget you. I want to give just a very specific application right here if I can. I've been observing something, and um, I, just want to, I just want to encourage you tonight. Praise the Lord. Practice what I preach. I want to give a very specific application here tonight to encouragement. A great area that we could do this as a church, if I may, is around the altar area, an altar service on Sundays. I thank God for our ministry team. Our ministry team does an incredible job. They're used in the gifts of the Spirit. God uses them, especially in the altars, to minister with folks. But, but altar work and altar encouragement, praying with others, is not limited to the ministry team. And so on a, on a Sunday, if, if you're here and you feel like God has met your need or, or you feel like that... Um, that maybe uh, that, that you're doing okay, you're in a place where, where things are going pretty good, and, and you see somebody nearby that may be struggling. Maybe, maybe we talk a lot of times and teach people, if you see a tear in the eye, maybe a hand goes up, um, you, you know, maybe you can see it on their countenance that they're, they're working on some things. They were, Pastor and I talked just in, in just a moment of time, just a brief conversation Sunday, uh, and, and said, yeah, you know, I, I think so-and-so uh, needs prayer, just, just the, the look on their face, they were carrying something. Um, you recognize these things, and as you practice them, God will lead you. God will discern you. But, but take, take time and go, go pray with that person. Don't, don't be offensive. Don't, you, know, you don't have to, 
take them to the chiropractor and, and wear them out and knock them over and stomp on them and all that. But just gently pray with them and let God use you to pray a word of faith and encourage them and, and, uh, and, and, and be an encourager. It's a great area to do that. Ephesians 4.32, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. That's the way of a disciple. That's the way Jesus has taught us is to be kind and, and merciful to one another. Last one. And then we're going to conclude. I tack this on to the end of Dr. Maxwell's com uh, comments. The other four were his, and I applied them to, to our walk with God. I tack this last one on. I talk about it a lot, but I, I enjoy teaching about it, preaching about it. Uh, the last thing that does not require talent, not at all, is prayer. It's prayer. You don't need any special talent to pray. We can all pray. Prayer is just conversation with God. You know, prayer is a weapon. Um, it, it is a privilege. Uh, it is all of those things, but mo at its fundamental best, it's just a conversation with God. And I like to highlight the fact that it's a conversation because a conversation goes both ways, right? Conversation is not one way. So when I talk to God, I expect him to talk back to me. Now, number one, that takes faith. Secondly, it also means that we have to create some space in our prayer time to let God talk to us. So if we go to prayer and we just talk for 45 minutes, God can't talk to us. So we have to carve that out in our prayer time where we have some time to let him guide our thoughts. Have you, have you ever been in prayer and you just got quiet and let God begin to take your thoughts and, and he just begins to guide you and all of a sudden, man, the insights are there, inspirations there, things. Man, like where did that come from? Well, it's God. It's God talking to you. That's where it came from because you're in his presence. So two comments on prayer very quickly. First of all, has it ever occurred to you that prayer is free? I was thinking about this the other day. There is no charge for prayer. Now, it may cost you some time. It may cost you some pride. It may cost you a little energy. But setting all of those rhetorical things aside, there is no charge for prayer. And nobody can steal it away from you. Nobody can keep you from praying. I mean, if, if you had to pray in your mind... They can't stop you. I, I prefer to pray by moving the lips and the vocal cords making sound. But if it just you were in a bad situation and somebody had a gun to your head, they still couldn't stop you from praying in your head. Nobody can take it away from you. Prayer is free. And so we should take advantage of that. Don't, 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 you know, don't let the freebie get by you. That's a, that's a free weapon, a free resource. It's powerful, and it's a privilege. So let's take advantage of our resource, prayer. Second thing about prayer I've been thinking about lately, prayer is a memorial. Have you ever thought about prayer as a memorial? Prayer is a memorial. I'm almost done. I'm, I'm on, my, on my landing gear right here. Prayer is a memorial. We live in a world where people want to be remembered forever. I've talked a little bit about that in my opening comments. But they'll, they'll endow money to colleges if, if they promise to name the school after them. They'll build shrines to themselves websites to themselves, social media pages to themselves. They want to be remembered. But the best way to be remembered is to be a person of prayer. Because in Revelation 5 and 8, the Bible says, When he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. I believe that all of our prayers are being saved. I believe they're all being stored up in heaven in these vials. And I believe that they will be remembered and will last for eternity. So what greater memorial could you give? What greater legacy could you give to your family, 
your kids, your spouse, the, the lineage that isn't, hasn't even been born yet, then the gift of your voice in prayer for their lives. It is a, a powerful, powerful resource of memorial. Your prayers that will last for eternity for your family. So five things that don't require talent. Five things that do not require talent that you can start today. Get you unstuck and get you moving. Nick Vujicic is an inspiring guy. He's written and published five books. I'm sorry, he's written and published five books. He's acted in two movies. He's appeared on Oprah, and he's spoken to hundreds of millions of people around the world. If that doesn't sound impressive, consider the fact that Nick has no limbs. He has no arms, and he has no legs. And so growing up was a tough time for Nick. He was bullied. He felt lonely. He contemplated suicide. But against all odds and against all limitations, Nick persevered. And this is what Nick says, quote, If we went by the world's definition of who I'm supposed to be and because I look weird, they would say, well, surely this guy can't have a productive life. Surely he doesn't have a sense of humor. Surely he can't love life. He says we stereotype people in this world. But he says this, if the world thinks you're not good enough, if the world thinks you're not good enough, it's a lie. Get a second opinion. I love that. And I believe what Jesus is saying to us tonight is if you think you're not good enough, it's a lie. And his opinion is the only opinion that, opinion that counts. So Grace Church, tonight I'm challenging, challenging us in the closing days of 2023. And as we get ready to turn that calendar to 2024, let's be the best version of Grace Church that we can be in 2024. And let's be the best disciples and Christians that Jesus has called us to be. Let's have our best year ever in 2024. What do you say? Amen. Stand with me tonight. Clap your hands to Jesus. Oh, if you're going to do it, if you're going to give it all you got, if you're going to give it your prayer, if you're going to give it your energy, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you tonight. Go in faith. Go in grace. We'll see you Sunday morning at the Christmas service. God bless you tonight for being here. In Jesus' name.